All right, good evening. Good to see you guys here tonight. And uh, if some of you are just getting in. I understand that coming from work and so forth. My name is Steve Chappell, and uh, your pastor asked if I'd come down tonight and share a couple lessons. I'm glad to do it with you. I'm going to make one request, and I need to tell you up front what I'm about to ask you don't have to do, but I'm going to ask anyhow, all right? If you would be willing and are able to move a little up front, I'm so lonely up here, okay? I'm the guest tonight, and if you guys would do that, it would probably help me to communicate a little bit better. And uh, so thanks for letting me be with you guys this evening. I commend you on coming out. Uh, marriage is fantastic. It can be tough, and we need all the help we can get, every one of us. And so uh, I'm glad to be teaching tonight on, on that topic. If you have your Bible this evening, if you don't, it's fine. I'm going to get started with one verse. We'll read many others. But if you join me in turning in the New Testament Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 is, is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 5. As you're turning there, I'll say this, and I'm going to repeat this in the next session, but all of life is about relationships. Uh, you can have everything going on in life, but if your relationships aren't right, life's just not what it should be. And uh, it's just imperative that we work at these, you know. Uh, as a pastor, I get to do counseling, and I'll just be honest with you. I won't be honest with my church family tonight, so don't tell them what I'm going to say. I don't really like counseling all that much, all right? It's kind of exhausting, and uh, half the time you wonder if they, they're ever going to listen, and it's just a little frustrating. There is some counseling I really enjoy doing, and it's premarital counseling, okay? And here's why. If people getting ready to get married have any sense at all, they're terrified, okay? So they make a great audience. They're listening. And uh, I love sharing principles from the Bible that, when applied, can help us to have a strong marriage. Um, I love sharing things that me and my wife, Lisa, uh, have done and learned in, in our marriage. And certainly, we're, we're not perfect by any stretch. But uh, I, I thank God for my wife. I wish she could have been here tonight. She's a softball coach, and she's got an awesome team this season. And uh, they're one win away from the uh, championship of their league, and then they'll go on to CIF. So she's uh, priorities, right? Softball took priority tonight. So she said, no, you're going to be on your own. So you'll have to just take my word for it that I'm married, that my wife is really nice. But I love sharing some of the things we've learned uh, along the way that have helped us. One of the things we've learned is when she has a softball game, I just leave her alone, okay? I go wherever it is I'm supposed to be. Uh, I enjoy all of those things. But uh, th I've learned that there's no premarital counseling that can be done so well that that young couple I'm talking to will never have a problem because of how awesome my counseling was. It's just impossible. It does not work that way. Uh, the fact of the matter is problems are going to come in all of our lives, in all of our marriages. And I'm not being negative. I think it's important that we all understand problems are part of the process. Problems are part of the process. And so I included it on my premarital counseling at the end. I said, listen, I've done my best. There are no perfect marriages because there are no perfect people. And so I want you to know that when problems come, there are solutions. And I began to share some of those. And, and really, that's kind of what I want to do tonight. I want to take some time to uh, talk about how your marriage can be encouraged, can be helped, uh, can be blessed. It would be awesome if I could come and say, folks, I've learned how you can have a conflict-free marriage. I can't do that. I have not figured that out. Now, it's not ever me. It's my wife. I can say that because she's not here tonight, all right? But I haven't figured out how to do that. Uh, you're not going to have a conflict-free marriage. But your pastor said, can you just come and bring a lesson for people who are married or getting ready to get married that would be a blessing to them? And I'm going to share something super simple with you tonight that I promise will bring the blessing of God into your marriage. I promise you. I cannot bring a lesson on how you can avoid conflict or arguments in marriage, but I can do something that is, is really just as important as that. We're going to talk tonight about how we can resolve those conflicts quickly. 
We're going to get to our text in Matthew in a moment. Paul, the apostle, wrote this in 2 Timothy 3. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. So all the Bible's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let me tell you what the Bible does for us. It's good for doctrine. That's what's right. God's word tells us what's right, okay? Then he says it's good for reproof. What's that? Well, that's letting us know when we're wrong. So God will say, here's the right way. When we're doing it the wrong way, God's word will say, hey, you're doing it wrong. And then, then the Bible says of itself, it's good for correction. So it tells us what's right. It tells us when we're wrong. When we're wrong, it tells us how to get right. And then it says it's good for instruction in righteousness. That's how we can stay on the right path. That's what we're going to do tonight. It's going to include a little bit of all of that. It's going to let us know how to do what's right when we're wrong, how to get things back to being right. And you need what I'm going to teach tonight. I need what I'm going to teach tonight. I really want to prepare you now for then. Unless you had a fight in the car on the way here tonight, then I'm preparing you now for now. But I want to give you some skills that can help us all uh, to get God's blessing in our homes. And and that comes by uh, learning how to resolve conflict. Again, I, I don't want to belabor this. I'm not trying to be dramatic. We need this. We humans are incredibly poor at resolving conflict. Have you seen our world lately? I mean, we, we think of, of the Ukraine and, and the atrocities coming by way of the, of the Russian communists led by, you know, that evil man, Putin. But there are 40 armed conflicts happening right now on planet Earth because we're bad at resolving conflict. Have you seen our country? We're just as divided as can be. People can't even talk to one another, it seems like, because we're poor at resolving conflict. And Jesus had something to say about this that applies to our marriage and to so much more. And I'm going to read a verse to you now that comes out of a sermon in the Bible. It's the longest sermon we have recorded that Jesus gave. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read just one verse to get us started. And here's what the Lord had to say. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I want you to think of that. Jesus said, do you want a blessing in your life? Here's how you can have that blessing. Learn how to make peace. Lord, with these moments we have together, I pray that we would be encouraged by what we find in your word. And and God, really, I made the drive from Oceanside to this church tonight with the hope, the prayer, the Uh, the faith, really, that a difference could be made. And so help me to be a blessing tonight. Help all of our hearts to be open. And uh, we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. It's just this simple. A happy life comes from healthy relationships. I said that already. I'm going to say it again in the next lesson because that's what tonight is all about. Really, beginning at home, that's the most important relationships, physically speaking, humanly speaking, we have. And if, if our relationships aren't healthy, our life is not happy. Jesus could have just written in his word, hey, don't have conflicts. He could have said, hey, uh, married couples, don't ever get cross with one another, never an upset word, don't ever get impatient. He could have said all of those things, but knowing us as he does because he created us, he understood that conflicts are inevitable. It's a part of our human experience. And so in his love for us, he chose to give us these words, blessed are the peacemakers. The word blessed literally means in this passage, happy. I've heard people say, no, it's not, it's not happy. Happy is based on what's happening. This is, this is joy. No, the word is actually happy. 
I think Jesus is saying, do you want a happy life? Learn how to make peace. Do you want a happy marriage? Learn how to make peace. Do you want a happy family with kids and, and, and all of the dynamics of all of that? Jesus said, here it is. You can have my blessing on your marriage, on your home, on your life, but you've got to learn how to make peace. And here's the thing about resolving conflicts. We don't come from the factory pre-wired with the know-how to do it. It's absolutely a learned skill. And that encourages me. Because if we can learn how to make peace, if we can learn how to resolve conflict, and along with that comes the blessing of God on our lives, we can live a life that will be honoring to God. It's a learned behavior. Most of us, I don't know about you, but most of us did not learn how to resolve conflict from our parents for this reason. They didn't know how to resolve conflict. I won't ask for a raise of hands. I think most of us would say we're thankful for the home we were brought up in and all the rest. And I don't mean to cast uh, a dishonor on, on our families, but, but I think we all observed at times dysfunction in relationships and various situations. And, and uh, there, there was probably a reason for that. It's because there was a lack of understanding on how to resolve conflicts. But it's great that the Bible does teach us how this is, how this is possible, how it's to be done. And, and uh, so we need to invest time and energy in learning how to do this. And, and I want to say also this, there's a danger in avoiding this topic. If you could turn me off tonight, I would say you're putting your, your relationships at great danger. There's a danger. Not only do we miss the blessing of God, it impacts our spiritual lives. Let me give you an example of that. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. He said, likewise, husbands, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of God, that your prayers be not hindered. There's a lot in that verse, but the, the point I want you to take from that is Peter said, husbands, listen, if you've got a problem with your wife, it's going to impact your spiritual life. Your prayer life is going to be hindered because of it. So if we don't learn how to resolve conflict, it has spiritual ramifications as well. Now, there are a lot of good ways to teach the Bible. My favorite way is to take a series of verses and just teach through it. But that's not what I'm going to do tonight and this time. We're going to take this topic of making peace, resolving conflict, and we're going to go through the Bible and discern what is it that God says that can help us to build uh, relationships that have peace and because of that, the blessing of God. So I'm going to give you a few thoughts tonight. Here's the first one. Number one, if you want to be a peacemaker, number one, seek God's help. Seek God's help. When conflicts come, we often talk to people about them. And uh, that may or may not be helpful, but here's what I can assure you. We never waste our time when we go to the person who knows more than any other how to make peace. When we go to the Lord and we say, God, hey man, I'm in a conflict and I desperately need your help. I think of James, the younger half-brother of our Lord and Savior. He, he wrote this in James 1 and verse 5. He said, if any of you, listen to that, if any of you lack wisdom... Let a mask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. James said, if any of you lack wisdom. Now, just to be clear, what James was doing there was being very polite, okay? He was saying, if any of you maybe have the capacity for light, slightly more wisdom in your life, obviously, we all need wisdom, okay? So James is saying, for those of you that need wisdom in your life, here's how you get it. You ask God, and he'll give it to you. And God will help us. He'll help us learn how to make peace. And as this prayer goes to God, there's something else that's going to happen. Not only will he help us know how to navigate the conflict, he can give us his peace in the, in the minute of our need. 
I don't know how it works in your life. Today, I had a call from someone that, that was bringing a conflict my way. Immediately, I felt pressure. I felt weight. I felt sick almost to my stomach. We all have those times in life. The conflict comes. The peace just seems to drift away. And I'm telling you that when the conflict comes and we start by going to God in prayer, he'll give us the wisdom how to get through that. He'll give us his peace in the midst of it. The Bible in Colossians 1 and verse 2 says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are a lot of bad counsel, a lot of bad advice you can get when you're in the middle of a conflict. I promise you, I promise you, if you take time to go to God in prayer, say, God, it's on. I wasn't looking for it, but it's here. God, I'm going to need your mind, your wisdom to know how to handle this. I already know how to put my foot in my mouth up to my kneecap, okay? God, I'm going to need your help to know how to handle this. And God, I'm going to need your peace right now because that's not what I'm feeling. I promise you that in that moment, God will help you. It's been said the four most frightening words a husband can hear from his wife are these. We need to talk. You know, typically that means I'm in big trouble, all right? We need to talk. God never minds hearing from us. God we need to talk. I'm in over my head. I need some help. He's always quick to help us, to minister to us. And uh, if we want to make peace, resolve conflict, begin, number one, seek God's help. Here's the second thought I'll share with you tonight. Number two, take the initiative. Now, if you're still with me tonight, say amen. amen. Thanks. We've all had a long week, haven't we? And uh, here we are. Uh, I want to encourage you with this second thought. Take the initiative. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He wasn't talking here about keeping peace. Uh, he wasn't talking about someone coming to you with an offer for peace. He was talking about you in your heart having a willingness to go out of your way to take the initiative to be the one that makes the peace. You're a peacemaker. One author said that most marriages are made up of either skunks or turtles. Skunks make a big stink out of everything, and turtles just pull their head in a shell when the conflict comes, all right? Uh, how many skunks do we have in the room, be honest? One, thank you. Two, three, good. How many turtles do we have? A bunch of you. Good. I won't tell you which one I am in my marriage with Lisa, but I always win the race, if that gives you any hint, okay? Uh, I'm the turtle. I don't know what it is. You you, you put pressure on me, I'm going to withdraw. Um, I'm not saying it's better. It's not. You, you press me far enough, I rarely outburst. I'll just shut down. I go quiet. I go to another room. Uh, my wife, she can throw it to a whole other gear real quick. All right, she's a skunk. She'll make a big stink out of it. I'm a turtle. I'll pull my head in the shell. Neither of those is a way to make peace. Those are ways to uh, really get things going in the wrong direction. Most of us, when the conflict comes, we either try to avoid it. That's me. I'm the turtle. Pull my head in the shell. Hope it blows over. Or we just acquiesce or give in to it, and we, we tend to get angry. That would be more of the skunk. Neither of those approaches brings a solution. God's word makes it clear. In your marriage, if you're in a conflict, you be the one to take the initiative and go to the other person and recognize, hey, we have a situation here. Now, in this same sermon that I told you Jesus is giving here, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went on to say this in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... And there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. 
I want you to hear what Jesus just said. I'll bring it into our vernacular. He's talking about the temple. He said, guys, if you're, if you're coming to church and you're sitting in church and in your mind you're thinking, here I am in church, but I, I'm having a big beef right now with my wife or my husband or he said with your brother, with anybody really, relationships are of such importance to Jesus. He said, if that's the case, get up, walk out and go make things right. So on Sunday, if someone gets up during the service, you know they probably had a fight with their wife on the way to church that, that day or something, okay? That's what Jesus said. That's how important it is. Now, notice he did say, leave your gift. So leave your offering behind if you do that on, on church on Sunday, okay? But that's how important it is to Jesus. He said, look, we're not going through motions here. We're not playing games. We're not pretending. If there's a relationship in your life that's not where it needs to be, Jesus said, take action. Get to work on that. That's what the Lord has to say. Peace is to be a priority in our lives. And the only way to resolve a conflict is to face it head on. I've heard people say, well, time heals all wounds. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, the next time you have a major problem, a major injury, just go to the, go to the hospital, sit in the emergency room, just sit there. When the nurse comes out to maybe check you in or take your vitals and get things ready, just say, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to wait here until this gashing wound heals all by itself because time heals everything. Now, you know what time does to a lot of wounds? It lets them fester. It lets the poison go deeper. It brings bitterness about. And we think, you know, I'm going to do my marriage a favor. I'm, I've, I've been offended. I'm, I'm angry. Things aren't right. No, I'm going to just ignore it altogether. Listen, you're sowing seeds that will be the demise of the relationship at some point. We've got to be willing to uh, see the need and take the lead to go forward and deal with it. You can't go around a conflict. You can't go over a conflict. You can't go under a conflict. You have to go through a conflict. And, and if we want the blessing of being peacemakers, we have to take the initiative. We, 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 we. Us, all of us, I say this as much to the husband as to the wife. We need to make sure that we're willing to, if things aren't right, say, look, let's just stop everything we're doing right now. Let's, let's deal with this. Here's the third element. Number three, acknowledge your part. Acknowledge your part. Now, according to God's word, there are two main causes of conflicts that we find in the Bible. And it's amazing to me, they're very similar, Okay. Again, James, our, our uh, Savior's half-brother, he said this. He said, uh, from whence come wars and fightings among you? In other words, he's saying, where, where do these fights, where do these conflicts come from? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? James said, I'm going to tell you where these fights come from. It comes from lust. Now, we hear that and we think of a sensual context. Lust is essentially desiring something for your life that's not yours to have. It's wanting something at the expense of, of someone else. It's, it's selfishness through and through. And so the Bible teaches where do conflicts come from? Selfishness. Here's the second way the Bible tells us. Proverbs 13 and verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Two areas, selfishness, pride. They're very, very similar. But that's where the conflict comes from. That bums me out, okay? Because uh, one thing I have that you have the same as with you. Every conflict I've been in, I'm, I'm half of it at least. The Bible says it's only by pride. The Bible goes on to say that it's selfishness. We have to be honest and, and acknowledge that we've contributed to this. The truth is we all struggle with pride and selfishness. That's just how we are. We're all that way. That's why Jesus, in the same sermon, went on to write these words in Matthew 7. Why beholdest thou the moat 
that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Now, when Jesus said that, I'm pretty sure everybody started laughing. This was hyperbole. It was metaphor. It was Hebrew humor. Here's what Jesus said. He said, why, why are you worried about the, the speck, the little tiny splinter in someone's eye when you got a whole pole coming out of your own eye? And everybody would have laughed because Jesus was being ridiculous, sarcasm for the point of making a point. And, uh, and yet there was a very important point to be made there. Jesus was saying this, we all have blind spots, don't we? We all look at others and we can magnify what we think's wrong with them to the neglect of understanding that we may have contributed to this issue ourselves. We all have blind spots. We have areas of weakness that we don't see. Others can see so clearly, but we don't see it. The point I want you to glean here is this. There is always something in a conflict for us to recognize, to admit. Now, this is where I got to pause because every time I say things like this, someone will come to me after our services in our church and say, well, pastor, I was abused or some horrible thing, and my heart breaks for every one of those stories. If it's a crime, call the police. I'm not making light of that. We're dealing with run-of-the-mill, everyday, average, ordinary conflicts in marriage. It's imperative when those times come that we don't go looking to place blame. Do you know how to spell blame? B. Lame. If that's our answer to a conflict to say it was you, we're stirring things up. We're deepening the divide. We're making the marriage weaker, not stronger. Now you could say, well, I was only maybe 1% at fault. Then start with that. Start with that. Hey, listen, things aren't right here. And I know what I said or the attitude or the way I exhaled or whatever, okay? Start with you. Don't start with them. I'm not letting them off the hook, and I'm not trying to make you a victim. I'm not trying to make you take blame for things you didn't do. I'm just saying if you want to be a peacemaker, you don't go in like this trying to place blame. You come in humbly with your weapons down. And you say, look, I don't know what all's going on here. I know I probably shouldn't have said that. Now's not the time, whatever. And that's a great way to begin the conversation. And uh, so don't, don't forget that. We never blame, or uh, we never gain peace by placing blame. Start with yourself. Acknowledge your part. Number four. Number four. If you're still with me, say amen again. Amen. All right, good. I can't tell if you guys are listening or just staring at me with curiosity, like, who is this weirdo? All right. Number four, truly care for the other person. Truly care. Please hear this. We think we have conflicts because we have differences. But we have differences about a lot of things we don't argue about. The fact is, most differences lead to rather pleasant conversations, discussions. Differences can lead to discussions. I feel many times what happens in a conflict is somewhere along the way, someone's gotten their feelings hurt. And hurting people hurt people. And after hurting people hurt people, oftentimes that's when the anger comes in and the intensity begins to increase. Okay, you guys are looking at me like this has never happened in your life, all right? So this is typically how it goes, okay? And, and again, when people feel as though they are not being listened to and that their feelings of, are, are of no value, they get more hurt and that hurt turns into more anger and that's where bitterness and resentment can come in. James had this to say, James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, 
slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, I've got great news right now. This is great news, what I'm going to say. If you will be swift to hear and slow to speak, you can mark it down. You will be slow to wrath. It works every time. Every time. However, if you come to the place in life where you're slow to hear and quick to pop off, you're going to find wrath is going to be a part of your life. The key, to seek to, the key here is to seek to understand before being understood. It's tough, I know. But when there's at least one person in a relationship who will say, wait, let's stop. I'm going to be real quiet right now because I care deeply for you and I feel like I'm missing something. And I really do want to understand what's in your heart. I want to know what's on your mind. I'm just going to be quiet right now. The floor is yours. Do you know what that means to someone like my wife when, when I express that? You mean so much to me. I'm going to shut my yapper right now because I want to hear from you. I want to know what's going on in your mind and in your heart. Uh, that, that adds so much strength to a marriage. It helps people. In every conflict, there's a measure of fear. The fear of being misunderstood, the fear of being dismissed. And what tends to happen in a conflict is we think our fears have value and their fears don't. Okay? Our fears matter, theirs don't. I love that the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. The word perfect there means mature. So what does a mature love do? It identifies fear and says, let's get that out of here. Did you ever notice how Jesus said so many times, I'll never leave you or forsake you? He said it in a lot of different ways. Why did he say that? Because every one of us at like a cellular level have a fear in the midst of conflict oh no, this is the end or the beginning of the end. I'm going to be abandoned here. And Jesus knew we'd feel that way. And so that's why he went overboard to cast out that fear. And in the midst of a conflict, there's something beautiful that happens when we in love respond in a way that removes that fear. We encourage people, we help them. Sometimes we'll think, my fears make sense. Your fears are unreasonable. We say things like, well, you, you, you shouldn't feel that way. And it's like, no, wait, you can't say that. I just told you how I feel. You can't say, don't feel that way. I just said that's how I feel. We can dismiss and belittle where other people are. We need to make sure we're coming to the place where we're, we're really listening and, and growing. And, and often what happens is we want to rationalize our, our position. And as we do that, we tell rational lies. We convince ourselves of a storyline. We become an attorney. We're prosecuting our case. And we say it just the way we see it without thinking of the full story. And friends, I'm trying to say today, if we don't care enough to truly listen, to discover what the other person is feeling and why they're feeling that way, we'll never get on a path that leads to peace. Now, I would hope if I said, how many of you hate having conflicts in your marriage? I hope all of you would say, I hate that. I'm telling you, the way to resolve conflicts isn't by hating them so much that you just go to war against the conflict. No, it's not by hating conflicts. It's by loving your spouse. That's the key. Man, I love this person so much. I, I don't want to have anything between us. We, we've got to deal with this. I'm not content to let this ride, let this coast, let this fester. We've got to deal with this. And if understanding something I'm missing, we've all got to be humble enough to say, inform me. I need to know. That's key, so important. That leads us to number five. Number five is this. 
Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. When it comes time to speak, I want to encourage you to use words that build up. I saw on the list of books your pastor recommended, which what a gift that is. Books are kind of like movies. You know, there's very few really good ones that are worth reading all the way to the end. And when someone gives you a list, says these are good ones, man, I'd, I'd get those and I'd read, read every bit of them. But he, he put one on there, uh, the Love Language book. If you guys haven't read that, it would be a great book to just read a chapter together till you get through it. Um, everybody's a little different. Words mean a lot to me. Words mean a lot to me. Um, presence mean more to my wife than words, actually, okay? So you, you kind of have to figure out how to communicate with people. But when the time to speak comes, make sure you're using words that build rather than words that tear down. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it. In Ephesians 4, he said, speaking the truth in love. Now, I, I had a friend who used to always say, well, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just direct, no, he was rude. I just, I'm a truth speaker, man. I don't know if I can say jerk in church. Can I say that? It's like, nah, you're just kind of a jerk. I'm not talking about sugarcoating it or saying less than what needs to be said, but there's a way to say it in love. There's a way to have a little bit of diplomacy to make sure that we're saying something in a way that it can be received. Will you please know tonight this? You are never persuasive when you are abrasive. That, that's not the way to make a point, to be heard. It's possible to have a position that is correct, but to have a disposition that is so ugly, it really doesn't matter. And I'm probably not the only guy in the room who's won an argument and it wasn't worth it. Yeah, you were right, but at the end it's like, who cares? <laughs> the issue is so insignificant. I created a bigger problem by demanding that uh, I be accepted as, as having won the argument. The Apostle Paul, he had this to say, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. This is such an important verse. He said, let no corrupt communication. That word corrupt in the language of the New Testament, it deals with cancer, really. Something that will corrupt and continue to degrade. He said, did you know by your speech you can literally destroy a marriage? You can destroy a, a child? Paul in Colossians said to fathers, don't provoke your children to, uh, uh, to wrath, lest ye discourage them. He said, just the way you speak with people can discourage. Discourage. Take the courage out of them. He said, make sure that you're not using corruptive speech. But he said, uh, that which is good to the use of edifying, that's speech that builds up. And he says, through our speech, we can minister grace unto the hearers. Now, I've already spoken of blame, but we live in a day of blame. That's just the day we live in. Now, I don't want to offend anybody, and I'll say this. If I did, I'm sorry, and don't blame it on your pastor. But I think this is like a whole cultural shift where we just love labels, and blaming people. It's like, okay, all right, you're the oppressor, you're the oppressed, you're the victim. You're, everybody's got to have a label, and that's who you are. Can I tell you who you are? You are who Jesus said you are. If you're a believer, you're his son. You're, you're his daughter. 
Don't, don't take what other people throw on you as a label and let it stick. Look to the Lord. Let him determine who you are. And, and we live in a day where there's just so much of this blame and everyone's got to get a label. Here's the problem with this mindset in our day. Almost everybody in the world, myself included, feels oppressed. I've got a sad story, too. Most people don't volunteer and say, you know what, I'm the bully, I'm the bad guy, it's me, I did it. That's just not where most of us are. This thing of labeling people, it's never going to lead to a resolution. It's never going to lead to peace. Many relationships are broken because the tone of the conversation, it's just not conducive to healing. I love how Solomon put it in Proverbs 15. He said, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Our tone is so important. The timing is so important. Uh, My wife's learned over the years, when my head hits the pillow, that's not a good time to say, oh, you know, I wanted to mention something. It's like, you know, tone can be right. Timing's not right. It needs to be a right tone and right timing. And uh, we, we, we need to understand a soft answer turns away wrath. This works in marriages. This works with our children. This works on the job. When you feel that intensity going up, bring it down. When you, I mean, it's, it's coming. You can feel it, the, the tension. It's just happening. It's like, I'm sorry. Just bring it down. And it'll, it'll, change, it'll change the dynamic of the whole conversation. Now, I shared five things with you, and the list could go on for sure. But I want to encourage you to seek more for the restoration of the, of the relationship than just the resolution of a conflict. The fact is, we're never going to agree with everyone every day. But that doesn't mean we have to live in a constant state of war. We have to say, you know what? Because it's God's will for my life, I'm going to love this person with the love of Jesus I don't want to live in a state of of conflict. I want to know God's blessing on my marriage. It comes by way of making peace. We're never going to agree with everybody on every issue. We can live with unity without uniformity. We're not all going to be the same. Now, there's no human relationship that means more to me than uh, my relationship with my wife. If you could have met her tonight, you would have liked her. She's better than me in every which way, all right? You'd have liked her way better. Um, She's just great. We could not be more different. I already told you she's the skunk, right? And I'm the turtle. And and uh, uh, I'm by nature quiet, believe it or not. I'm shy. If we were at a social gathering together, I'd be the quietest guy in the room. That's how I'm, I'm wired. Uh, I write every word down when I speak because I get nervous about things. My wife's super outgoing. She makes friends everywhere we go. I've been a pastor 24 years in the same community. We can't go in a store without people going, hey, Lisa. It's like nobody sees me and I'm the, I'm the invisible guy. She's just got an unbelievable personality. We're so different. We're so different. And, uh, and yet I think those differences don't have to be the source of conflict. They can make us a great pair. Makes us a great pair. When I'm cold, She's hot. You'll see us on the couch in the evening. She's sitting next to the sliding glass door. It's open. And I'm sitting next to her under a blanket. Okay? Uh, So when I'm cold, she's hot. That's the way uh, she is. Um, When when I'm tired, she'll say, you want to go for a run. Um, When I want to cook a very special meal for her, she'll say, I'm not hungry. 
Okay, that one didn't happen, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. No one's here to call me a liar who would know better. That, that one's never happened. Um, but I think you get the point. We're different. Peace in our marriage, it's not about making her just like me. How boring would that be? To have two people as quiet as me? Wouldn't work. Two people talking as much as she does, that wouldn't work either, all right? Somebody's got to listen. I'm saying it's our differences that can be the source of conflict that when we iron them out the right way, it actually makes us stronger. We're more whole because of it. That our different perspectives, a different way we see things and look at things, it can actually be good. It's exactly what I'm trying to help us see. My desire as a husband is to dwell with my wife, as the Bible says, according to wisdom and to learn to work through whatever comes along that would needlessly hurt our relationship. Why? Because I want God's blessing on my life and I want God's blessing on our marriage. And Jesus said in no uncertain terms, blessed are the peacemakers. So as I follow the teaching of Christ and do my best, beginning in my marriage, to make peace when conflict comes, there's a Savior looking over the proverbial banister rail of heaven, going, I oh, look at Steve. There he is. Started another argument. Way to go, Steve. You know, you weirdo. But then he sees me doing my best. All right, we got a conflict. I want to make some peace here. And he says, blessing. I'm going to bless that life, that marriage. And it becomes stronger. It becomes better. And I'm thankful for that. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment. Just imagine. <sighs> It's a few days from now, and you're with your spouse in whatever. You're running late. You're impatient. Gas went up again. Inflation went up again. Interest rates went up again. I don't know whatever it is that gets you crabby. Those are a few of the things that get me crabby, <laughs> okay? And uh, whatever the source, that conflict comes. Just imagine, you know, you're looking at your wife or wife looking at your husband, and it's not little love things floating out. It's darts. Imagine in that moment if you just stopped, Lord, I feel it. It's going to be on momentarily. I feel it. And God, I'm going to need your wisdom to know how to navigate this. I know left under my own devices, I will add fuel to this ember and we'll have a big old fire going. I need your wisdom, Lord. And, and Lord, also, that, that peace I had in my heart a moment ago, it, it's gone. Can you, can you put some peace in my heart? I'm going to need peace to get through this as well. Imagine if we just, at the onset, said, God, I need your help. Imagine if we took the first step. Well, I didn't start it. That's not a peacemaker. Imagine if we took the first step and acknowledged our part. Imagine if we truly had a compassionate heart for the other person. Imagine if we sought to say what we said in a truthful and loving way, using words that were good to the use of edifying. Imagine that. I would imagine if we did those things, we would begin to experience God's blessing on the relationships in our lives, in particular in our marriages. And I would imagine that our relationships would be made stronger. Perfect? No, there, there's no perfect human relationships because we're all, we're all broken. God's transforming us. We're grateful to know that heaven's our home. If we know the Lord, we're growing. Uh, but, but man, we're all a work in progress. We have not arrived. But I'll deal with improvement any day. I mean, if I can do better today than I did yesterday, I'm heading in the right direction. 
I would imagine if we took this heart into the conflicts in our relationships, that they would improve, we'd grow, and strength would be the result. Our Father, I thank you for the opportunity to just kind of be honest about something we all deal with. These times where disagreements come and, and arguments come. And uh, Lord, I'd love to bring a, a lesson on how to totally avoid all of those. I, I can't do it. But I do know this, Lord, if we will seek to make peace, that not only would we resolve conflicts quickly, but I believe we would see fewer, fewer of those conflicts. And we'd have your blessing and we would grow. Lord, I pray you'd help everybody in this room uh, bless their lives in every way they can possibly be blessed. I pray you'd bring a great sense of joy to their lives, a sense of security in their marriage that they've never known before. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.